unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time, dear Ramblers, we are traveling back in our spaceship to 1998 to review Armageddon. Who brought us this amazing film, George? Because it's it's hard to rem- it's hard to tell from watching the film. It's not like it matches a certain director's style. Who is it again? It's Utter Bayham. It's Michael Bay himself, starting his most Bayist career that he still continues to be in to this day. Yeah, you could see that there were there there were signs there were signs that he was getting he was falling in love with special effects. But such you know. a, su- such a promising start. But we'll get into it. It was a time of Bruce Willis with blonde hair when Ben Affleck was taken seriously as an actor (laughs) and also when Liv Tyler got roles. But yeah, there's a lot of things to touch on. We're going to be going to some crazy places. If you've listened to us review a Michael Bay film before, you know what to expect. If you've listened to us review anything from the late 90s, you know what to expect. But if you haven't, here's George with a quick reminder on some general housekeeping. So Retro Ramble is an independent film podcast charlie and i are brothers and the whole point of this podcast is charlie and i going back and taking a look back at the films that we grew up with do they still stand up today uh, have they been remade uh, spun off into a netflix series uh, how have they you know aged things like that uh, so it's a light-hearted look back at these films we'll try and throw in some trivia uh, there will be spoilers from the very off and more likely than not, there'll probably be some bad impressions and some fruity language. You have been the only, thing, the only thing I would say is that if you haven't seen this film, you know, listen to this episode first and then decide if you want to see this <laughs> film. Because <laughs> I think uh, I think we're going to tell you everything you need to know whether or not you want to go back and review this. So, uh, without any further ado, it's 1998. What was happening at this sort of time? Let's try and timestamp this. What other films were 1998? Well, ni- 98, the year of Godzilla. Enemy of the State, I think, was 1998. Another Bruckheimer production. Now, what else was there? I'm, so I'm, the internet, I'm... the internet was rife. <laughs> yeah, well, I think yeah, we talk about '97. Obviously, we covered a lot of films in '97. That was that was a, a big year. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Was Blade '90? I think Blade might be '97 or '98 around that time. Yeah, uh, '97 or '96. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was uh, there were some good good films. You know, you and I were going to the cinema quite a bit. So yeah, let's get into it. fragments this morning how big were those those were nothing the size of basketballs and Volkswagens. this new one you're tracking how big it's the size of texas mr president it's what we call a global killer the end of mankind half the world will be incinerated by the heat blast and the rest will freeze to death in nuclear winter basically the worst parts of the bible hitting a rock from the outside will do the job so we nuke this thing from the inside how? We drill. 
We're bringing the world's best deep core driller. The United States government has just asked us to save the world. We're talking about space, right? Outer space? This is like deep blue hero stuff. I'm there. I'm with you. Beat me up, Scotty. Hey, Harry, you know we're sitting on four million pounds of fuel, one nuclear weapon, and a thing that has 200,000 moving parts built by the lowest bidder. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? We're going. Okay, gentlemen. Let's start praying about it right now. Listen, this is a kick-ass ride. Touchstone Pictures presents Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck, Will Patton, and Steve Buscemi. Just hold on! Jerry Bruckheimer production, directed by Michael Bay. Okay, so George, 1998, Armageddon. How did we get this film? Well, we know how we got this film. Michael Bay was in his ascendancy, one might say. Where does this feature in the portfolio of Bay? Um... We've tackled uh, we tackled Bad Boys 1 and 2 as a special uh, a while back. And we've also done The Rock. Um, and this is off the back of The Rock. This is his next film after The Rock. And initially he'd signed a deal with Disney to do two movies, the first being The Rock. And he was convinced The Rock was going to be a financial failure. Um, because Something it's about Sean Connery's expenses. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play golf. Um, no, because The Rock was coming out the same summer as Independence Day, Twister, and Mission Impossible. Um, and then The Rock actually turned out to be a success, and he found himself in a tight spot because he was like, oh, shit, I've got to make, um, you know, legally bound to make another film with Disney. Um, a best find a script. So he, he looked through a bunch of scripts uh, at Disney. Nothing appealed to me. He then did the same with the scripts that Jerry Bruckheimer had and he couldn't find anything. And apparently he he set out with uh, screenwriter Jonathan Hensley uh, and they worked up the idea that would become Armageddon. But then I've read conflicting reports. It wasn't that straightforward because we can't essentially talk about Armageddon without addressing the other meteorite in the room that is Deep yeah. Impact. So Deep Impact had been in development in one form or another since the late 1970s. Wow. And it ended up being picked up by Spielberg and Spielberg at one point was looking to make it. And then he got bogged down he got too busy and he was still making amistad around the, t- the this kind of time uh dreamworks his his production company had, had just recently launched so he was like well i still want to make it i think it'll be a great film for dreamworks and he gave it to uh mimi leader who i think had done the the peacemaker as well but Apparently, the according to one of the writers of Deep Impact, he uh, around the time Deep Impact was in, with the script was going round, he had a meeting at Disney, and they said, "Oh, what are you working on?" He's like, oh, "I'm working on this this asteroid movie, Deep Impact," and he basically gave him a sort of top line 
overview of what the film was about and he he, he claims in in this book uh tales from the script that the the guy he was speaking to at disney was frantically taking down notes as he was telling them all about the script and unsurprisingly yeah the guys at dreamworks had found out about a rival asteroid movie being made by disney so they had to get the ball rolling on that so Apparently, that there were eight writers involved in the Armageddon script. Uh, one of them, including totally a, shows, totally shows. Like I mean, it's <laughs> some of the best written prose you're going to come across in the nineties. And one of the writers was a young J.J. Abrams. And yeah, it was. I say, the, apparently, Robert Roy Poole wrote the original script, which was then reworked by Jonathan Hensley into the version that got greenlit. Then other writers were added to polish the movie. I think they were rewriting it as the film was being made. No, uh, you uh, don't say. But at the time of release, it was um, this, and you think this is the the good old days that Charlie and I talk about uh, before you know the the comic book boom. Um, so at the time of release, this was Walt Disney's biggest, uh, highest grossing live action film. Wow! And yeah, this was the if you think about you were talking about what came out around the same time. I say I've already touched on, you know, Independence Day again, which we've covered, came out in 1996. And it was that that era of the disaster movies came back. There you had the competing films. So, yes, there was this and Deep Impact. There was, uh, I think it was the year prior, uh, or or was it 96? I think there was like Volcano and Dante's Peak. So, yeah, the, the CGI was getting better. And as a result, people were trying. And there was Twister, obviously, the, that sort of mini era of phase of it was still the the era of big, high concept blockbusters that weren't designed to be a franchise. They were just the big summer hits. And it was those like late 90s. There was, yeah, a lot of great popcorn movies and good or bad. This is one of them. I think it's safe to say. I think we were spoiled. I think um this this film has to go. I mean, I, I when I I was getting when this film was going through its first twenty minutes in my notes, I've got getting serious vibes of The Rock uh, from the music, from the um, the choppy camera work. I, I don't know if it's fair to talk about that now, but that well, something... I, I, I read some sort of stat. Apparently, the longest, the average shot length in this film is one point five seconds. Yeah, it's it's a bit jarring for that respect. It's like, ow, ow, stop. Just like, um, I think I did actually make a note of that. But yeah, as you say, the, it's like, I think this is going to come up a lot as we talk about this film. Don't worry about that. That doesn't matter. Don't let don't let the truth or common sense or science or, you know, basic or, you know, spatial awareness get in the way of anything. Just go with it. Yeah, I mean, this film has been ripped to shreds for for its science, and I'm sure it's something we're going to talk about as we go through it. But I read somewhere that apparently NASA used this yeah. as like a training exercise to see how many faults can you spot. Sort of Not only that, thing. though, like this is what I think what I read is that NASA used Armageddon to demonstrate this is how far away the public's understanding is of what we do. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that, that was what they tried. Is like there's so many examples throughout this film. Which, which we will definitely touch upon. But you mentioned script there. I think one of the lines that stood out for me was like, um, it's so gloriously right-wing and conservative about war. It's fantastic. It's like, 
even wars have provided us the tools to do this. It was just like, it's so like, so like everything that we've done has brought us to this moment. Even wars. Well, yeah, I love that bit in the opening scene where the spacecraft gets attacked and and like the the astronaut is getting peppered like with mini asteroids. And there's someone going on the radio. This could be a missile attack. It's like, what, in space? From who? Exactly. (laughs) Who's, who's... Who's firing the missiles in space? Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of that where it's just like it's it it really is common denominator stuff like how they get away with it. I, I don't. I mean, when it comes up, so there's that scene. Then there's there's like there's so much because I feel like I I it happened I think once or twice in the first twenty minutes. I got my phone, which I'm sorry is is a bad sign of the times. I'm like, is that actually possible? And what was different was when we watched this the first time, we were just like it just went over your head. You're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's Michael Bay. Yeah, I mean, I think watching this, it's been years since I've watched this, but watching it this time, and it's, you, I think it's you know, tying in what you were saying, it looks fantastic. I mean, yeah, as, yeah as it mu- does. It still looks as, really good. As much, you know, stick as, as you can throw at Michael Bay. And yes, he is very easy for a kicking in terms of his filming style, his editing, his reliance on on CGI and pyrotechnics, but it's and explosions! So, and 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 it, but he makes explosions look so good. You know, that destruction of of the, New what else, the, the of international New, space. Oh no, but the destruction of New York is yeah. is amazing. And also it's simpler times. Like there is no I mean I know it was kind of done in Man of Steel, but there's no way like it, it felt so on the nose i mean there's the bit where you know this is three years before september 11th there's a bit with the chrysler building falling and you're seeing i did i don't remember this first time around but you're seeing people falling out of the building towards the camera yeah and then there's another shot showing a massive hole and smoke coming out the the twin towers and i'm just like wow i completely forgot about that and it's so, so close so yeah. on the nose and yeah i say it's one of those films that could never get made now, but yeah, then I say at the same time, you you do get films like Man of Steel that go in for the go in hard on the the nine eleven sort of metaphor. Where is Man of Steel films? It's not Chicago. It's not you. It's it's not New York. It's not. No, it's it's Metropolis. But I think they filmed. I think it. Might yeah, but be. George uh, nineteen eighty whatever Superman was also Metropolis, but it was later in New York. <laughs> yeah, and I think the one in Man of Steel. I think it might have been Chicago or. Pit- Pittsburgh, maybe I don't. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. That's for that, that, listen to our Man of Steel episode in five years' time. That's not important right now. Okay, so any other trivia in terms of this film's production that you want to cover? There's lots of random production trivia in this. I'm not sure. Again, there's a lot on IMDb, which I would normally take with a pinch of salt. But apparently, similar to Top Gun, and because of Top Gun. The, they managed to get quite a bit of access at NASA because they were saying, oh, well, you know, you saw how well, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer's film did for the Air Force recruitment. Imagine what this could do for NASA. And so NASA did give them quite a lot of access, you know, in terms of shooting in that water that, tank and the massive that became apparent. Yeah, that became apparent as I was watching. It was like, they must have got buy-in. You know, maybe they got a lot of uh, oil oil riggers signing up. I want to I want to go into space. <laughs> yeah, they actually got footage. Uh, NASA allowed them to set up loads of cameras to take the, the 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 actual launch. And I think they've they've swapped in, obviously, their, their cooler. Make those spaceships look cooler. Make them look rad. Make them dark. 
um, given more windows. So they've obviously swapped out in CGI what the actual shuttles looked like, but they managed to get, I think, set up 14 different cameras for a space shuttle launch, um, which, again, was sort of unprecedented access. Talked about there being numerous writers, being lots of rewrites. Apparently, I read somewhere that the original script didn't really include a romantic subplot between AJ and uh, Grace, Liv Tyler's character, and there was more emphasis on Billy Bob Thornton's character. But due to the success, the, the runaway success of Titanic in 97, they were like, right, we need to have more of a romance in this. And that's why they've beefed up the bit between Ben Affleck uh, and uh, Liv Tyler. And apparently it's quite well known. This is on the, the, the commentary. Michael Bay says that they spent, I think, 20 grand on Ben Affleck getting his teeth replaced because his it, he, uh, in Michael Bay's words, he had baby teeth. He had such ugly teeth. So that I think Ben Affleck had like a week's worth of dental work that cost twenty thousand dollars, and um, yeah, as a result, when I, I read that fact before watching it, and I was watching it, I just couldn't stop staring at his brilliantly white uh, teeth. And reading between the lines, apparently it had been done previously on a plane movie by Jerry Bruckheimer. So. A potentially the biggest movie star in the world that has perfect teeth uh, that didn't used to have perfect teeth, Mr. TC. Yeah, but Ben Affleck's career, wow. Where was he? What else was he making? Well, if you think this was... Goodwill Hunting was 98. So this was... So this, he was, was this was very much... It. He was doing this in the sum of all fears. He was like knocking them out. He was like... Bum, bum, so bum, so you know? this was peak original like peak first peak of ben affleck's career so yeah if you think by this stage he would have won the oscar for writing co-writing goodwill hunting he'd been in goodwill hunting so yeah i think this would have been one of the first films he did after that so yeah this was and around when was i think daredevil boiler Boiler room and he's making loads loads of films around this yeah so this was peak ben affleck first time around because he has obviously had a very interesting career so yeah, that's the the sort of the main production gubbings. I mean, I say I've got lots of science facts. Uh, as I sent you that link, there's an amazing promotional behind the scenes tie-in about the science of Armageddon, filmed at the time, a TV special with I'm Leonard Nimoy from Star yeah. Trek. This is Armageddon. So yeah, I've got I I can throw in loads of facts about yeah the the fact that. The asteroid that killed, you know, the, the, that caused the event to wipe out the dinosaurs at the feature at the start, I think was five or seven miles uh, wide. Oh, no, George, we can't go into that sort of thing. We'll be here all day. Yeah. But apparently the good news is, according to this documentary with Leonard Nimoy, there's it's a, a, only one in 5,000 odds that we'll get an Earth killer in our lifetime. And as that was filmed 20 years ago, the, <laughs> I don't know what those odds are now. So, um, yeah, that's good news. Um, also, also good news to see that Cuba had formed 65 million years ago. And that yes. CGI at the start. Yes, I saw that. Should we talk yeah. about the plot? <laughs> Yes. So there's there's the big opening. Then there's a lot of shenanigans on oil rigs. Um, there's a lot of science. Character development. Character development. Yeah. So what, what do you want to talk about plot wise? 
I like the, all the character development that happened with the characters that don't go up into space at the beginning. And there's some that do come. There's our friend from No Way Out, David. He's he's good. He's good. He's always good. He's always good. He's, he's always he's he's one of those character actors that's always reliable. He popped up as a baddie in uh, Ozarks. I only watched the first season of that, but he turned up as in that. And he's a reliable guy. There was a lot of, um, I'd say there's good character actors. And then there's Michael Bay character actors uh, that fit certain stereotypes that he's trying to make the film appeal to, I would say. Um, But I I, I don't know. Where's a good place to start? Should we talk about Brucey? Yeah. I mean, if you think, again, this is key... This is key, Bruce Willis. This is. Did he, has he kept his haircut from Fifth Element, basically? Pr- or... Pretty much. I think this was <laughs> I'm the... filming. To, he, he's made so many films during this time. He, he's probably making both at the same time. Is my point. I'm. I'm sure I read some some facts somewhere that this is the last film he did before he embraced the baldness, or or like admitted he'd like his hair completely gone. Yeah. So yeah, Fifth Element was ninety seven. I think uh, Sixth Sense was 98. So it was a big year for Bruce Willis. And he had a few other sort of stinkers, in, like there was Mercury Rising. And... He's made a ton of films. I mean, especially yeah. during this time. You know, he really, he was like knocking them out. Like he would do, I'd have him down doing two, three films a year minimum. Yeah. I, and, but if you think about it, like on the the poster, I think the, well, yeah, I suppose he, he's on the poster, Ben Affleck is, but I, I remember some posters just being more about the concept, just showing Earth and the asteroid, you know, heading towards it. Yeah. But yeah, this is, this is peak Bruce Willis. And, but interestingly, uh, Bruce Willis has gone on record since saying he w- would never work with Michael Bay ever again. Yeah, I don't uh, mean, I don't know. They're the they obvi- the best out of him. They're obviously no. I mean, he's doing classic Bruce Willis. He's yeah, but I think I, that's him. That's if, you know how directors get certain performances out of actors, and I can understand him saying I wouldn't work with him again. I think what we get out of Bruce Willis in this film is what he's able to give on his own. Well, no, that's what I say. If anything, it's stereotypical Bruce Willis. He's that gruff, sarky, smartest man in the room type thing. Always got to come back for everything. Doesn't really. What have are you a doing week- with my daughter? Yeah, his his only weakness is his stubbornness sort of type thing. But if you look, there's there's quite a few, um, yeah, as you say, returning sort of Michael Bay, um, you know. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, who apparently I read somewhere that he was told he was like the original role that had him body. He was like, I'm bored of playing sleazy characters. And they're like, oh, no, you're going to be this geologist, this like insanely intelligent guy who knows the plan's not going to work and slowly turned it into, in my notes, I've got, why are they making Steve Buscemi a pedo? Because it's all this like, you're not underage, are you? And it's all this like, you ain't got a husband, are you? And she told me was she was 16, Harry. And it's all like, oh, it's just a bit weird. This isn't Con Air and Owen Wilson. Wow. Um, in a very small <laughs> role. Um, but yeah, you've got, yeah, obviously Owen Wilson, Steve Buscemi, Billy Bob Thornton, we've already talked about, Michael Clark Duncan's, it apparently is his first uh, big, big role. Peter Stormare, that guy, William Fickner, the guy oh, who plays. Oh, I um, love him. I love he, his face. I love his resting, resting, I'm going to kill you face. He's got space dementia. Nobody else. That's some like that's Michael Ironside levels of delivery. It's yeah. complete nonsense, but I'll believe it. 
Yeah, he's got the serious face. It's why he was such a good... Uh, the fact that somebody like Christopher Nolan would pick him just for that scene at the start of The Dark Knight Rises is like... <laughs> That's what he's there for. He's he, just, uh... yeah. He is one of those. He is one of those guys. He is an amazing character actor, and I always enjoy when he pops up. Also amazing. I'm always happy to see him popping up in a film, and he came up uh, on our most recent patron episode. The amazing Keith David, um, oh playing God. playing General Exposition, Reverse Giraffe, um, the president from Rick and Morty. Oh my God. Just tell me what's going on. I just, I love this guy. I just can't, I can't get enough of him. I think he does very well in this film. I think he's used very well in this film. I mean, yes, we are saying it is general exposition, but um, I don't know. It just, it kind of, for me, it kind of, the that 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 thing about goddamn, goddamn government guys going to set off the nukes. That side story is quite funny, but it, it does kind of make sense. But in a way, it adds another level of, it adds an, another antagonist, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. You've got the guys just trying to do their everything they can, and the and the president who um well we'll, we'll get to that later. But just remind me about to, uh, the president. I've got a pointer on the president later on. Um, but Is, am I right in thinking he's been a president in another Michael Bay film? You oh well, we were jumping. Am I spoiling to, it? Am I spoiling? You, no, well, you, come on, let's do this because we, we, I, I think well, we'll forget, George. We'll forget. Let's do this. We're jumping ahead to suspicious spin-offs, but uh, the it's guy the who, same fucking president from The Rock, isn't it? It, it is. It is. I knew so, it. I knew so, it. So technically, The Rock and Armageddon are exist in the same universe, is what we're saying. Which begs the question: Why didn't you send Sean Connery, Connery into or, space or Stanley Stanley Goodspeed? Yeah, send both of them or Walmack. I want Walmack in the Situation Room. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we... he, well, or that poor president—he's had to make two tough calls. That's he's true. Had ther- it... He's had to use thermo. What, what's it called? Thermite. Um... Thermite. Where, where are we with the thermite, thermite plasma? General? It's still it's another twenty-four hours. Um, he's had to. He's had to unleash thermite plasma on the rock, and he's had to basically blow up planet Earth with miners and nukes. Also, a small shout out to the amazing Jason Isaacs as he's the smartest man in the world. Yeah, he's got. Is it because he's got an English accent? Well, apparently, according to Jason Isaacs, said that he was originally approached to play one of the astronauts, and he was in the middle of filming something, and he said, "You know, no, thank you. I'm I'm busy on a film." And then they came back and said, "Would you take a smaller role?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And then he said, the whole time he was filming, he was like obviously sort of treated as a little guy. And he's like, I could have been one of those fucking astronauts. Um, <laughs> but it would have been interesting to see how Jason Isaac fits into that ragtag bunch of cowboy oil, oil drillers. I mean, Jason Isaacs can do a, a great American accent, but I would find it hard to believe him popping up as, yeah, I say one of the, the oil drillers. Okay, so let's, should we spend a moment talking about the set pieces? Because that's what Michael Bay's famous for. We've got the stuff in sure. New York with, with, with all the stuff blowing up. <laughs> And then we've got the let's go see crazy Russian guy who is going to refill. Well, we have well, we have the training montage where Bruce Willis says in the matter of a couple of lines, just throws all logic out the window and saying, you NASA scientists think you know how to work a drill? Come on, for Christ's sakes, you've got everything backwards. Send some oil drillers into space. They're the guys that are going to get the job done. Train them up in a week. So yes, you've got that logic gap. Um, but yes, we have. We need to get lots of fuel um, 
it lo- logic in in space just goes out the window. Uh, and yes, all the time. We, yes, the time. we have Peter Stormell. I'm the Russian. Nothing works. Nothing uh, is safe because I'm Russian. This is when the Americans were friendly with the Russians. That's what we've got to remember. This was during peacetime, much friendlier times than now. This was their opinion of America of Russian space. Safety. I'm going to call him Space Borat. So yes, you've got you, yeah. you've got Space Borat. Um, yeah, you've got lots of explosions. Everything's exploding. How it's... long does it take the International Space um, SO garage to blow up? It seems to me like it's because blo- you know how things go in space. I don't. I mean, I've not been there, but I've watched enough films that if there's any sort of, it's just like it's a vacuum. So. It just seems to be explodey. It's explodey for a long, 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 long time before it actually explodes because of plot reasons. We've glossed over some of the stuff before they enter space. I've got in my notes obligatory Michael Bay sexy club scene. Where's that? Sorry, I. I it's, it's when all it's, it's, memory. It's when all the astronauts have their like when the the, the drillers have their one last night of freedom. And oh go, right, yeah. And go yeah. nuts in in sexy club. That space station bit so frantically edited, where they're all running around, everyone, everyone's shouting. It feels like the last this out. This film's two and a half hours long, and it feels like for the last half hour and a half, everyone's just shouts at each other. I think it's probably best if we don't talk about the whole gravity centrifuge oh, stuff. No, let's let's. Just the way just, sometimes it's working and sometimes it's not. It's and like, gra- gravity on an asteroid. Don't worry uh, about it. No. Why is why is the asteroid so spiky? Gassy, it, rotating. Gassy, rotating. Why do bits of the asteroid get to? Why does a massive bit of the asteroid get to Earth before the rest? No, don't don't honestly don't worry about any of this. Why does the word? Why do those armadillo space trucks have miniguns on them, Charlie? Do you want to know why? I have an answer. What? Sorry, the Gatling gun. The Gatling. The, the freaking Gatling gun. So, what scientific part of the? The freaking mission is that relating to? So this this is amazing because I was just like, why the? F-? And I remember this at the time. It was like, why have they got Gatling guns in space? Um, On the basis that every single freaking gram has to be essential. So let's yeah. let's just take that into account for a second. Okay. Um. So uh, this is down to merchandise. So Mattel had a toy line attached to Armageddon, and they told Michael Bay that toy trucks with guns attached to them sold more. So Bay's reasoning, apparently there is a reason that Bay uh, included that why a giant Gatling gun would be fixed on the armadillo, but that scene was ultimately dropped from the film. Was it as if they got stuck, if they got impaled on a bit of the asteroid, it was to cut themselves free or something? Well, it's I suppose it's supposed to be blowing debris away, and it's like, okay, why do you think a Gatling gun would be, you know, super hot, heating up, Firing multiple projectiles. I'm not even you. sure a projectile gun like that would work in space, but I, I don't even know the answer. With, to that. with with no gravity, don't don't worry about that. I mean, I can't. You can't trust what they teach you in in Call of Duty these days. I mean, like, do, do projectile guns work in space? I thought that's why we have to have lasers and stuff. Rail stuff. rail guns. Yeah, there's a lot going. It feels like. I think it's at least an hour, an hour and a bit before they get into space. It feels like there's a lot of padding to get there and building up. As you say, there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of backstories. There's the bit where Ben Affleck is fired and within two days later set up his own oil drilling company. It's very bizarre. It feels like there's... I'm I'm wondering how much was actually cut from this film because there's so much going on. Are you saying you want to see more? Not at all. 
Not at all. Um, yeah, I think this was the the point I wanted to make is that when we went to see, we went to see this film, pretty sure I saw this at the cinema, uh, just not immediately, but it was one of those films you had to see at the cinema. But I still do remember it as coming out. I remember this. It's funny because I, I thought the same thing about Titanic. It was like, and I, it's funny that they obviously plugged in the, the love story to try and compete against that. But I remember thinking Titanic, great film love story blah 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 but loved i loved watching all of those people all of those imaginary people die their death when they hit the iceberg i really enjoyed the action um no but seriously it was it was more the case of in this film you just like it seemed so unnecessary before they get to the asteroid everything seems so unnecessary because the training bit in nasa was cool but there was a lot of stuff that happens before they yeah. actually get into space and then the um the shuttles start flying around as if they're F-14 Tomcats. <laughs> like like just turning over each other's heads and like flying over explosions. You mean when, when they're flying at uh, nine nine Gs or something? Yeah, it's um it's almost like a little bit of like a bit of sort of schoolboy physics, would you call it? But let's not get dragged into that. I mean, um does should we talk about the whole drilling thing, the whole let's drill a hole type thing? How did you find that? Do you find that there was um easy to follow like it was clear what they were doing yes and 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 also quite quite boring at the same time it's like okay we, yeah. we still need to hit more, more time on oh, we're not we're not hitting it we don't we've... care if you've lost a fucking tranny oh why do they keep talking about trannies you couldn't say that these days no you'd have to call it a transmission but yeah i just found the it does like tail off a bit towards the end and i remember there's they keep throwing stuff at you the fact that one shuttle crashes and then they one, manage... nuke, one nuke goes off no no but they don't mention like the nuke just uh it doesn't go off it just they just forget about it i didn't even like until i was reading up afterwards i was like oh they've got a nuke on each shuttle but they yeah. don't do anything with the other nuke the fact that they throw the armadillo and that's fine. They're those lo those those logics fine. The fact that then they lose one armadillo, stuff's falling, people are getting impaled. They keep throwing obstacles at the people. Steve Buscemi suddenly goes nuts. He has space dementia. That's a thing. Then they have why do you have a gun in space? I'm glad they address the the ridiculous of why do you have a gun in space. But yeah, it just seems like they're throwing all these things, and it's like okay. I don't know. Watching it this time, I was like, "Okay, it's it's really dragging out. Just get to the point. Get get to the the heroic bit." Yeah, I, th I think what's weird is that we look we look back at it now, and it was like you could say it was a romp. I think it. Um, do you know how well this did at the time? Did it do well? It was the second uh, highest grossing of 1998 behind Saving Private Ryan. Okay, well, no, that that, that makes sense, and it also explains why. Uh, Steven Spielberg didn't get involved. Well, he so, he did Saving Private Ryan and Amistad back to back. It was ridiculous. But yeah, so it's like I can still see now, as you're saying, it's glossy, it's well finished, it's got the Bayhem, it's got the Michael Bay sheen to it. It's totally passable. I think the way the way I always like to qualify this, it's worth the cinema ticket. Yeah, I, th I think you've got to give it to that. It's like it's worth it's worth the price you pay to go and watch a film like this for the length that it runs, the entertainment that it gives, and it is what it says on the tin. It's not, it, it's not trying to pretend. It's not trying to be to pretend it's something that it's not. It, it gives you what you expect. Oh, it's it's pure popcorn. And I know it's something that you and I bleat on about quite a bit, but 
it is a bit too long. You could easily chop it down to two hours rather than Whereas two and a half. All films today are too long. All all films today are too long. But yeah, it is completely best summed up as dumb but fun. It's popcorn fodder. It's have a few drinks, turn your brain off, leave your brain at the door. They don't make them like they used to. You can't imagine a film like this being made today because it'd be so scrutinised. If you think about like the science of interstellar getting scrutinized by neil degrasse oh my Tyson. god this, this this film this film just would not stand up the test of time there's just so much in it that's just nonsense oh it would if you know it shows the 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 times we live in this film wouldn't make it to cinemas it would probably be a netflix release wouldn't it it'd be direct to netflix yeah, yeah it'd be like look what i found look, look what i found when i was traveling um so let's just let's ask that question now what was your experience like your general experience of revisiting this film um it's pretty much how I remembered it. I, there wasn't any any real surprises. I mean, the only surprises I just forget, as I said earlier, like it looks amazing. And I think that's it. It's, it's had so much, there's so much attention to detail that's gone into it. And in terms of like they had model makers sculpt the asteroid and then they scanned that in. It's that era of CGI where you've still got skilled like model makers and an artist crypt creating stuff um lots of miniatures you know that we love um as well as that blend of cgi so it's not whilst there is a bit of cgi carnage it doesn't feel like it's over reliant that a lot of other films would do i think it's it's a good mix of that but yeah it's not a film that i would rush back to i think it is one of those have a few drinks watch with a few people's daft films but it's not one of those films that i would rush back to and you look at all the other Bruckheimer films of that era I think this is towards the the tailing end of that that peak of 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 peak Bruckheimer films if you think obviously it would take a dip before their finances would jump up again with um, Pirates of the Caribbean about four or five years later easy money no for me it's like a product of its time great cast it shows where Michael Bay was it shows that I think, and I say this with a lot of respect to him, he didn't know why films that he's made that were good, why they were good. Yeah. I think you said you said that before. He thought The Rock was going to flop. And yeah. he probably thought this film was good. And I think he was very proud of Pearl Harbor. And I think that's the problem with Michael Bay. Oh, no, he's, he's, he's great at what he can do. Sorry, what are you going to say? I was going to say, he's he's apologised for this film, but he, in a, in a true sort of backwards way, said, I just wish I had more time to edit it. I was I was pushed for editing. So it's not like down to the l- logic or science or script. It's like, oh, no, I just wish I had more time to edit it. Well, it doesn't seem like it's at all quickly edited together. Yeah. But no, I just, I think he does set pieces great. I love his explosions. Who doesn't like Michael Bay explosion? Um, I think his car chases are great. Thank you, Michael Bay. But honestly, like, you know, bad boy, what have we had since? We grew up with this. Which other directors have given what we grew up on? You know, all that stuff we loved from the 80s. You know, he's he's been the guy who's been giving it to us. You know, like he's given it to us in The Rock and Bad Boys. Um, he's given us that sort of, I don't know, this nuts level of like, well, imagine if you had this and you had that and then this crashed into that and there was a boat on the back of a 18-wheeler. He's he's just one of those people that I wish that he would be paired with a good sc- screenwriter. He's a bit like yeah. a, it was a bit like 
Tony Scott, you know, and, and pretty much that's what, where Michael Bay's come from. He's come from the school of Tony Scott. You know, he's come from a similar background of commercials and music videos and stuff. And they both can do amazing looking films and they both have a very recognizable style. But I think they, they always fall down is when it comes down to to plot and and storytelling. It, it you know the visuals take it over so yeah i can't remember the last good michael bay film i saw i watched i think the last one of his i saw was that ironically what i was just talking about earlier that director netflix one with ryan reynolds six underground which was that was bay was it it, oh, it was it was it was it, that was pure bayhem it was i watched I it watched I the a, first 20 minutes of it and then it started uh, like uh sounding like it was too good clever for its own good well, yeah, it's it's all over the place. It's ju- it's doing that Deadpool jumping back. Oh, this what this uh, now? Let's jump back two days beforehand. Let's jump three weeks ahead. I watched it. I had a few drinks. I watched it on a train, and I was complete- Dollar Express. <laughs> Dollar Express. I was completely entertained. It ticked the boxes. It was dumb. It was had some great action, but I'm again, yeah, I'm not going to rush back and watch it. Were you saying you you watched his most recent outing? Yeah. Am- so ambulance. I, as our followers may know, uh, due to my inability to disconnect my own personal Instagram from our Retro Ramble account, I posted that I was in Rio for Carnival. So on the, the long flight over to Brazil, I had some great in-flight entertainment and I got around to watching Ambulance. And it's the best Michael Bay I've seen in years. It's like going back to type. He does reference in the first five or 10 minutes of the film, both Bad Boys and The Rock, and it's set in LA. Um, but it just works. It's, uh, there's a bit, there's a, uh, what I think you've got to take the hats off is this is obviously, you can correct me on this, George. This was made during COVID, right? Yeah. And I can't believe I'm going to be saying this, but like, I think that in terms of what Michael Bay was able to do during COVID with his film, draws a parallel to what Christopher Nolan was able to do with Tenet in the same sort of period in that you could tell that he was restricted, that he couldn't do certain things. And like LA is completely dead. Like, like it is a ghost town and it's like really apparent, but like he does clever things to make up for it. And he really uses the space that he's got. So it's sort of like, well, all everything's shut. So I've got full access to all of the roads in LA that I would never normally have. So I can basically put as much traffic on the road as I want and I can do more with it than I ever could. You know what I mean? So it was almost like kids. He's almost like a kid at Christmas. He's like, so I'll use drones to get where I can't send helicopters. And he's obviously using uses a few helicopters, but you've got that. And then you've got the great three way uh, sort of performances between the people in the ambulance. You've got some great stuff with the cops. There's some weird stuff. Like there's some great ideas there's a certain character who's built up and built up and built up and then nothing happens with him. So yeah, there's, there's like any Bay film, there's faults in it, but honestly, I walked away with it and this is me on it. I'm not, I was, I was on the flight. So you just like, well, yeah, I'll watch this and see where it goes. But I was like, I you just, were pleasantly surprised. Well, I'd just come off the back of watching Armageddon. So maybe that's how you should approach every Michael Bay film. But Fair I just watched Michael Bay, uh, just watched Armageddon preparing for this episode a day earlier. I was like, oh, I'll stick this on, see what his, his most recent stuff is. And like you and I both watched the trailer and it was like everything's in the freaking trailer. And um, yeah, that was that that was one of the reasons why I haven't rushed to watch it, but I, I have got it on my watch list. So 
it's de- it's three out of five. It's decent, oh. but it's a pet- <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, well, it, maybe maybe it's uh, five or six out of ten. No, but it's not a seven out of ten one. It's, oh, oh, so, it's- sorry, sorry. I thought you said three out of five. I was like, oh god, no. No, no, no. It's three. It's a three out of five film for oh, me. Okay. But okay. he does. But it's all the things he does great. So it's like it's tension, heisty sort of stuff, car chases. Come on, you know it's like explosions. And, and, and as you said, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal in. So I am sold. It's redeemed, and um, yeah, it's they do some very good modern day stuff. You know, like the whole thing about um, when the when the helicopter can see you and love like using phones and using media, social media. Yeah, so it's very up. It's a very up to date type thing, and using using there's actually not just drone cams for capturing the film. There's drones in the film. Um, there's some good topical humor in it. So for me, it's like the rock light honestly it is it's it's that good it's 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 it, all it's whoa, missing whoa. no let me finish all it's missing is two like it needed two bigger actors somewhere else in the film because there's jake yeah. Gyllenhaal hall and everyone else is kind of doing a good job but not really big enough if they mm. had one or two bigger other actors in it you'd say this is the rock light Th- throw in keith david william fickner Someone along those lines of classic character actors. Now we're talking. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, that, that's all it was missing. But no, um, just glad to see him making something that's not um, Transformers. And he's showing he's still got it. So I think you and I have said this about, it's sort of like how we talk about Guy Ritchie. Like George and I have no idea how to go out there and make a film like these guys do. So all respect yeah. where, where it's due. Takes but a like, lot to make a film. A lot of people involved. So, it does, but I, I said this recently about Guy Ritchie when I watched The Gentleman. It's like, keep making films like that. You're good at this. Just just make stuff like that. Don't make silly stuff. And I say the same to Michael Bay. Ambulance is what he's good at. It's like, yeah, just just keep making stuff like that, and people will eat it up. Don't go, don't go nuts. Don't go, don't get bought out and do more Transformers or, or stuff like that with celebrities. Just just keep doing because like he's definitely it was that that's what I felt watching Ambulance. Like this is what you're good at. This this is this is what you're good at. It's uh, tension, and we ate up these films in our teens, and I that's why I'd say I, I'd categorize this. It's a kind of it's obviously nowhere near as good as The Rock or Con Air. Or even it's more like an executive decision type film, <laughs> but needs more Kurt Russell. More he Kurt would, Russell, just get would, Kurt Russell. That would have been a good addition. So it sounds like yeah, that's a recommendation for for Ambulance with LA highlighted. I think um, that's just for graphics, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think that's a we we cover a lot of. Uh, recent releases. It's a good segue to talk about our our Patreon yeah, channel. Yes, it's, it's it's not just all about yesterday. It's it's we are st- are watching modern movies, people, films that were made in the past couple of years. Films uh, you could catch on a flight. <laughs> yeah, films that you could catch on a flight and be pleasantly surprised by. So yeah, if you want to hear Charlie and I talk about recent films as well as more sort of obscure eighties, seventies, eighties, and nineties films. Uh, check out our Patreon channel and you get an extra episode uh, for the price of a coffee. I, I also wanted to mention it just to sort of put this in good light that uh, I loved, uh, I think one of my favourite science fiction type adapt- adaptations films is Transformers. I thought that was a fantastic film when it came out. So Michael Bay has done some good stuff. 
So when you hear us like battering him on certain things, it, it we'd like to which which one? Uh, I th- I think to be fair, we've given him you know the films we've covered so far, Bad Boys One and Two, The Rock. You know, The Rock is we love them. It, yeah, we love those films. The Rock is one of the best action films of the '90s. I, I don't think many people will argue that, and I think no one will really argue. As we said at the time, The Rock is his best film. Yeah. Um, but as you say, probably for those reasons of you've got some very good actors, you know, carrying it, and it's not too silly, and he's not getting too carried away. Can I just uh, request permission to shake the hand of the daughter, the bravest man I have ever met? Which hand? Awful line. Awful. But you said there was eight script writers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and literally within like half an hour prior, he was holding a gun at Bruce Willis's head. <laughs> um, Shoot him, Sam. Shoot him. <laughs> turn the nuke back on. Um, so we've already talked about suspicious spin-offs, So that's already covered. Shall we talk about coulda, woulda, shoulda? Oh my god, I hadn't even thought about that. So yeah, I am intrigued. I um, I guess where I let's tee this up. So coulda, woulda, shoulda is where George enlightens us and tells us which actors were considered for the roles in this film but didn't get selected. So I think a good place to uh, to moor this crazy crazy ship, drop anchor is. Whose film was this? Who was approached first? Was it uh, was it Ben Affleck or was it? It's got to be Bruce Willis, right? So, I, so I haven't got anyone for for Ben Affleck's role. However, I've got a butte for the role of Bruce Willis's role of Harry S. Stamper. Now, if you're looking for a burly, muscly man that could easily work in construction, I mean, oh, who no, who no, you gonna no. approach? I mean, I was considered, but I was never approached. So yeah, Arnie was considered for the role of oh Harry Stamper. Totally different film, and I'm sorry to say, Brucey, but I, I, maybe he would have been. Maybe I've this just, would have been a better film if it was Arnie. I've Arnie. just, I've just got that v- image of him from Total Recall with the pneumatic drill, just going all the way down just by himself. Yeah. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I do it myself. <laughs> Two hours later, he's still going. <laughs> just like, just pulls like bites into the nuke, like it's a grenade. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, his muscles. He, he, he punches. He punches the, the asteroid with his oh. just punching into the to the raw the raw graphite. So yes, um, apparently Arnie Arnie was considered, um, but yeah, for the there's a few uh, actresses can uh, considered for the role of Gr- uh, Grace, uh, the one taken by by Liv Tyler. So Mila Jovovich, uh, Robin Wright, both turned down the role. If you think Mila Jovovich was hot off uh, Fifth Element. So she turned that down. Also, Denise Richards was considered. But there's some good ones for the role of Truman, who was, you know, played by Bill Bob. Bill Bob. Tim Robbins, Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro, and Michael Keaton were all considered. For the oh, God. I'm, I'm, just, I'm sure we've seen... Um, and, no, who else? was Ed Harris. <laughs> Ed Harris. <laughs> Ed too, Harris. In, too intense, Ed. Rain too it, intense. Rain it in. Wait, wait for a. Is he in Apollo? Is he in the? Is he in the tower? In is it yes, Apollo he is. Yeah. Maybe that's too close. And also, um, he's in the rocks. Stand up, Captain. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, but that that reminds me. Speaking of NASA, that it, apparently it's in the the commentary that Michael Bay said, 
when they, they went to the initial, um, the original NASA uh, mission control, and you said, this isn't sexy enough. I don't want to film here. And so they just filmed at, like some random office space and put loads of high tech screens. It's like, just imagine, it's not sexy. Get rid of yeah. it. Love it. Love it. But um, the only thing I take it, there's, there's so much shenanigans of like what's true and what's not true. But I think the one that I thought was the most hilarious was, you know, how, when they're all getting on the shuttle. Yeah. Like, you know, that two, sh- I didn't know this, but like the fact that they, they walk up, they yes, get on the shuttle and the, and the two shuttles take off and they just side they by side. Away from each- yeah. And it's like the explosions, they just blow up. But uh, <laughs> don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Yeah. I think that is it. They have to be like at least a couple of miles away. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 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 I mean, I say, George and I didn't know this, which is why we are still perfect target audience so yeah let's get off our high horses we would enjoy this i think if we'd also been probably 18 months younger when we watched this film we would have said it's one of the best films ever well, no so, i said i remember yeah enjoying it at the time i would have been uh 15 and just think, saying yes it's daft but it's fun whereas two years earlier for independence day this is the best film ever yeah i think Independence Day was different. You were like, that was an epic film that we'd been waiting for. We hadn't seen yeah. anything like that in our generation. We hadn't seen a um, an alien invasion film with CGI's that did it. Well, well that I was it. Talk, talking to my friends about it, it was like it was massive, you know. And we we haven't really. That was one thing we haven't touched on. Obviously, yeah. This this Armageddon came out same summer as. Whilst there was. The, the the hype was played up around Deep Impact and Deep Impact came out a few months prior. I think Deep Impact came out in May and Armageddon came out in July or August. They were really going uh, toe-to-toe, like competing with Godzilla. And at the time, Godzilla was the next film from uh, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich after Independence Day. So there was so much hype about Godzilla. And that's why there's a joke at the start where the dog in New York is attacking all those Godzilla dolls. All oh, right, okay. Very get random. It, get it, get it. Yeah. Um, and actually that leads me to uh, talking about how can we talk about, we can't talk about Armageddon without talking about Aerosmith. Oh, what a clue that. <laughs> so I've got some, I've got some trivia here. So um, who got selected first, Liv Tyler or Aerosmith for the music? <laughs> I think it was a package deal. Um, so um, I don't. Give me my daughter. I'll give you. Give me the song. Give me my daughter. I don't want to miss a thing. Was uh, written by Diane Warren, who was also behind a classic movie hits. Nothing's going to stop us now from Mannequin, and How Do I Live from Con Air. So she was, it was a, a no brainer that she was already on Jerry Bruckheimer's speed dial. Um, <laughs> and apparently um, they'd already drafted in Aerosmith to do, I think there's a cover early on when they're getting all the gang together. I think it's a cover of Come Together that they do. So they had already recorded that and said, yeah, we'll use that for the film. But again, that ties into the competition with um Godzilla because Godzilla said oh you know we're releasing this amazing album we've got Puff Daddy we've got Jamiroquai and it was probably one of the biggest selling albums that year and I think Jerry Bruckheimer said well we've got to have an album as well and like who's going to record this song and they they who's available and they went back to Aerosmith they were like they showed them a cut of the film like and we've got this song written and they were like yeah 
yeah, we'll do it. The film's awesome. Let's do it. And ironically, it was, I think, the first number one Aerosmith ever had, which is amazing considering how long it they've been is, going. It's a great song. It is, because uh, I, I, I realize showing my age now, I was I went through a period of being really into Aerosmith's. I think that album Pump, um, that was was a really good, uh, re- really good acoustic sort of thing. But I don't know this sort of song. It's kind of it's a great song. You can understand why it got to number one, but you almost kind of feel like it should have been sung by either. I don't know. I just think that another singer could have done it more justice. I don't want to take anything away from them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it's a classic for all good and bad reasons. And especially, and especially and, and, touching and when, and, on the music video, when Liv Tyler's crying in front of the TV screen, she's touching the screen, and it's not Bruce Willis's face. It's it's her father. It's Steven Tyler's face. And that's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. No. no. Maybe. Okay, so did they go really nuts? Because I haven't seen that music video. Did they go really nuts in that video and Steve Tyler was like, do it disarming the nuke and stuff that could have been good oh it's 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 fully like i think they're singing as a rocket's taking off above them so they're getting blasted by flames and it's it's really ott that's how i want to go okay well i don't know if there's anything else to be said uh what have we uh is there anything else we've missed george anything else you want to say no, I'm spent. I'm I'm absolutely spent on it. I mean, I don't think we're going to be rushing back to cover any any Michael Bay anytime soon. But as you say, we'll we'll be catching up. We in terms of years, we'll be catching up on the Transformers. In terms of we we usually give ourselves a twenty year buffer, don't we? On on Retro yeah. Ramble, and we'll have some fun with those for for sure. For sure, as I say, the first one was good. And uh, the rest were just a soulless cash grab. Um, so. Um, I can we allude to what's coming next or should we just keep them on their toes? We've got some big, big things in the pipeline coming up. Uh, real gigs, this, real, real gigs. gigs this year. Um, so stay tuned. By the time you'll be listening to this, we've just launched on uh, Patreon. Our latest episode is uh, a first time watch for Charlie and I of John Carpenter's classic camp classic, They Live. And we've a got Keith yeah, David, a Keith David segue. <laughs> yeah, Keith David segue. And we, yeah, as I say, we've got that's a, a really nice mix on Patreon of the films that we never got around to watching originally. So the what we're calling revelations and uh, recent films as well. So there's, you know, some big films coming out this year and we're going to be likely covering them. So, yeah, I think there's new John Wick on the way. We'll be doing a John Wick special. There's more Indiana Jones, there's Spider-Man, there's Batman's back. Michael Keaton's back as Batman. It's very exciting. So yes, check out our Patreon if you're not subscribed already. Um, please share the love, leave us a review on iTunes, share on social media. That would be much appreciated. Okay, George, you can take the Batman mask off now. Because... Never, never. Okay, dear listeners, uh, thank you for listening uh, for this episode. I have, um, well, I, I don't want to close my eyes, but I've been Charlie McGee. I'm Batman. Oh, no, uh, I'm George <laughs> McGee. Um, this has been Retro Ramble. This has been Armageddon, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.